Hi guys, I'm André Villas Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, future is lily white. Come on, you Spurs! Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 11, Episode 2. I'm Jack. I'm Chris. I'm ASD. And what a way for the season to begin, eh? I mean, that was just absolutely brilliant yesterday. I, I was, I was filled with so much like pride, joy, like that. That feeling was just back, like that feeling that has been gone for a long, long time watching Spurs, and to watch a team that was so spirited together you know willing to do the the difficult part of the game that you need to do when you play the big teams it was just it was a brilliant brilliant performance and like when you go as a supporter and correct me if you think otherwise like I will quite happily go home and having watched Spurs been beaten if we've been beaten by the better team and you hold your hands up and you say you can't do much with that but there's nothing worse than when you go and you feel like the players haven't given their all because as a fan that's what you'd do if you got the opportunity to play, right? And it's just felt like for a long time we haven't had those spirited performances. But yesterday was just, oh, it's given me so much more optimism for the season. Rightly or wrongly, we'll see. But it's just, it's given me that feel-good factor back again. What, Chris, what, what did you make of it? Oh, I've just, it was just magic. The whole thing was magic. I, you know, so I don't, I'm not very often lost for words, but you've you've kind of summed something up beautifully there. I, there was just something about the fact that it felt like there was a team there again, as opposed to just a bunch of individuals who were sort of out there, just kind of slightly irritated with each other, with whatever they were doing. You know, there was something about being in the stadium as well, which is incredible. I mean, I won't talk. We had a trouble getting in, but we figured it out. And so... um. I'll come back to that later if it's interesting, but it's not that interesting, so let's not. Um, you know, I think I think it was what's his face? Danny Murphy on Match of the Day said discipline, desire, determination, and decision making, which I think was bang on. And that was a thing. It was like, I'm 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 happy to have a disciplined performance as well as there's as as long as it's coupled with desire. Because what you don't want is discipline that ends up being robotic. But there wasn't there was a dr- and drive, you know, if we're gonna go with D words. There was discipline, there was desire, there was drive, there was determination. They did make good decisions and they played with their hearts as well as their heads. And as fans, that's what you want to see. I mean I saw a there was a tweet from Charlie Parrish yesterday which just summed it up for me and I didn't sort of thought I couldn't write this better so I just wanted to take a little note of it and he said and I completely agree with him what a privilege to be in the stadium today such a glorious racket ears are still ringing hearts still full of soppy pride for a group of organized committed brave players who looked like they'd been slighted and had something to prove a gorgeous reminder of why we bother and that just summed it up for me all of those things, all of those things. So, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a privilege to be in there, to be fair, and to watch them play that out. And I'm sure we'll talk about um, Jaffa Tanganga, but I, I sit on the in the stand, so he was running down. Um, you know, I sort of had good sight of him as he came off. He came off at our end as well, and I tell you what, he was. 
I mean, it, I, it, I thought momentarily about that um, League Cup final that we lost on penalties, but where Benoit Suicotto had Ronaldo like in his pocket. And Jaffet did the same to Sterling and then to and then to Grealish, who are supposedly some of the best players in the country, just made them look ordinary. Or he made them look like it didn't matter what they tried to do because they weren't going to get past him. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's very hard, isn't it, to describe that feeling without having if to someone who's never felt it. And there's nowhere else in the world that you get that feeling. And it is heightened when you're in the ground. And there is nothing like it in the world. It's, it might be the greatest feeling that you can feel because you care so much. You may not want to care half the time or all the time, but you care so much. And to see that reflected on the pitch, to see them outsmarting, outplaying, outfighting, outwanting against the money boys. And they, they, they was the most expensive squad ever. And we beat them. And we beat them, and we beat them convincingly. This wasn't an accident. It, it was something to be proud of. And it was it was like we had five new signings. Delhi, disciplined Delhi, we can call him now, playing deeper, doing the dirty work. But you saw when Sun scored, you saw who was there to pick up any pieces. It was Delhi, and he started way behind everyone else. And he was doing that all game. You have a look at Lucas, who can be forgiven for poor end product after what we after all of that other stuff. You have a look at Skip, who is basically a new signing for us. You have a look at Tanganga. Sanchez was like a new signing for us. It was just it was just fantastic to see. Not only do we forget the the hilarious Arsenal result and mm-hmm. them selling Joe Willock as well. You know, we love Brentford, obviously we love Brentford, but <laughs> they beat Arsenal on opening on their first game back since the 40s was hilarious and them selling their youth but Arsenal fans were in disarray they want their manager out already but forget them I, it was it was one of those games where you go 70 quid is a lot of money for a ticket but I, I get it and tell you what my final thought before I pass back to you Jack was you go it, how, you remember how bad it was under Mourinho there was so much bad stuff there and I don't want to talk about that that bit's gone but it just reminded you how good it really 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 could be and I, I, I totally didn't realise I found that I, two things which I'd sort of forgotten about one on the Mellor and I'm sure we'll talk about the Mellor um, the last game where we had a full crowd was the one where Dyer went into the crowd remember yeah. to fight and Norwich. it just feels like the completely opposite end of the spectrum the other one with Lamella was I didn't realise his Rabona his first one was only his second goal for us ever I didn't realise that. Anyway, anyway, yeah, it was, was magnificent. That was November. That was because that was that was just after Mon died. So I really remember that goal because it was such an amazing goal that that it was like probably one of the first things that she missed. So that was like 2014. So it wasn't long after he signed. It would have been like yeah. October 2014 that first Rabona, mm. and it was against the Greek team as well, wasn't it? Triple A wasn't it? Astros Triple A. Yeah. Yes, and he had his, was that Mohawk when he had the Mohawk? Yeah. No, I mean, you're so right about it feeling like... Because Sanchez, by all accounts, came back, you know, because um, Colombia got into the semi-final, didn't they, over the Copa America? Yeah. And he's come back with renewed vigour, by all accounts. Um, and, you know, and they just look tidy. They just mean, the as well, is, like, it, it looked like we had a plan. And it's like, mm. it, like, but not just 
Because obviously, when you play City, you have to defend well. You're only ever going to get a result against Man City if you defend well. Like if you if you play a really open, you have a shot, we have a shot game. Like it, it nine times out of ten, City going to beat you. So it's like we had a plan defensively, um, but then going forward, I felt like we were going to score every single time we went over the halfway line. And for me, that was the difference. It was the intent and the the clear patterns of play that we had in the final third, which I know I banged on about for. 18 months that I've just felt like we've had no idea and we've had no patterns of play but it just some people might say it looked quite predictable what we were going to do from minute one but when you've got Sun, Bergwijn and Lucas Moura and spacing behind and a couple of midfielders that can play a part and Delhi running forward to help make the front four you might know what we're going to do it's quite difficult to stop especially given the way that City played I just thought we executed all of our game plans superbly I was really worried in the first 15 minutes, but Nuno summed it up in what was a brilliant interview after the game that he did on Sky, where he just sort of said, yeah, they battered us the first 15 minutes, but like we knew we were going to have to hold on. We're playing Man City. Like, of, of course you're going to have periods in the game. Um, so I really just loved how like calm and that he was as well at full time. And it's like he has galvanised. I know it's only one game. He's galvanised a group, honestly, that, I, could, I did not see a result or a performance, like more the performance. I did not see that type of performance coming from us. Um, there's been absolutely nothing in the last year that's made me think that we, we've got the capability of, do, of playing like that. We have, we did get some good results under Jose, but not with that kind of spirit and control. Like, I don't remember Hugo really having to do a great deal, which, it, do you know what I mean? That is almost unthinkable when you play against the side like City. But anyway, let's talk about some of the standout performers. Um, before we get to that, though, I think the thing about that is, and that's the thing we were laughing about before the before the game with the people around me, was it's a great time to play them because it's without Harry Kane. Because yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing, is that you because they need a centre they need a centre forward. I mean, really we need to send it forward. We can come on to that. But, but it's weird they um, haven't got any backup, isn't it? Any backup options? Because they really need a striker. Like, um, the Times said that Ferran Torres isn't a false nine and he's not a number nine, <laughs> which I thought was quite brutal. Um, but the City are perfect for us, really, to play on the break, especially with those three players. I We can play... Well, we have played that game six times in a row and we've won it six times in a row. I, I would purse... I, I, we're probably better without Kane against that sort of team. It's going to be interesting to see how we set up if Kane's not playing against Wolves and Watford, who will put men behind the ball. I, I reckon we could beat any team who play like they do, where we can beat them on the break. Like any team like that. I, I, I'd put us up for it. It's going to be interesting to see how we play. I don't want to put a negative on it. I just think we, the uh, City will yeah, always you, be there. You make a really valid point with it, though, ASD, and it's like, it's that. It's also the, the point of, it was magnificent. Yes, honestly, I'm so I'm so thrilled with the performance and the result. But we're clearly at the minute playing off of like anger, either against Kane or against them. Do you know what I mean? And we've clearly been like Nuno's done a brilliant job at, at getting that group together and whatever he's done to get them motivated. It's like has worked perfectly for that game. But it's like we are going to need the quality against the sides that basically sit in and say we're here for nil nil. So I completely agree with what you said there. And you, well, you're going to need that focal point up front in those type of games. Definitely. That's it. Son is the striker and he's better out wide. You can see he's, he yeah. doesn't panic when he's in the middle, but he, he's better coming in and going on his right or left foot. And Mora, if he doesn't have space to run into, he becomes a little bit of a liability. Yeah. You know, that it starts to fall apart, but forget all that for the moment because we've got Brian to come in. 
we've got all sorts to come in. So I'm I'm super excited. Um, let's go through some of the some of the individual performances then, because I mean, anyone that listens to this podcast knows how excited I'm about the prospect of Tanganga. He's not a prospect after Sunday. He's the he's the real deal already. I mean, Gary Neville was you know waxing lyricals about him uh, on Sky after the game, and it was just if you'd never seen a game of football before, you would say that that guy playing right back for Spurs is one of the most established footballers about. Like it was an incredible performance. Like you said, Chris, against Sterling and Grealish, two two incredible footballers that yeah. could near enough get into any team in the world. Like there's nobody that wouldn't have them. And he made it look so easy. And not only that, he did it all. It was one v one against Sterling the whole game. Like there at no point did you see Lucas Moore back and then doubling up on him. Hoybio come across and covered him a little bit like any decent midfielder does, but he was one v one against Sterling. And Sterling got past him a couple of times, but Tanganga dealt with him inc- like incredibly. That was honestly, it was such an amazing performance. And when you watch him in a game like that, you think, I try not to get too carried away, but when someone plays that well, it's hard not to. But you look at him and you think, what has he not got? Like, firstly, he reads the game. His positional play is fantastic. Like, the amount of times where he just he stops a pass happening. He doesn't necessarily intercept it, but their midfielder just doesn't play it because it's not there because his positioning is so good. He's quick. He's great in the air. He can tackle. He can pass. He can run. He's literally got all the attributes of a modern-day defender, and he can play anywhere across the back line. He's just he's such an asset. And I think, apart from City, the only people that will be furious about Tanganga will be Galatasaray, because there's absolutely no way he's going anywhere after that. Um, absolutely just inc- incredible, incredible performance. And I'm just so pleased that the manager gave him and Skip and we'll talk about skipping a minute, I'm sure, the opportunity in what was a huge... Don't get me wrong, that was a massive, massive moment for Nuno. If City had have come and rolled us over 3-0, all of us would have been like, oh, that's that then. Like, we we all would have. And we're, we're three quite positive Spurs fans. But if that type of result had happened, we would have just been like, well, what's the point this season? So to trust those young players in such a big game, honestly, it was, I was just... I was so, so happy for how well he played. Absolutely. I mean, he was... You've you've summed it up perfectly there. And the other thought, of course, is, you know, if that had been Aurier, he would have either been sent off or given away two penalties. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, I don't know, I thought he was brilliant. And, you know, just it's the the romance of it as well. The fact that he's come through the academy, he's been there since he was eight or whatever it is. Um, he's local, all of those things that you just love. And, and he was just brilliant. I'm not sure... I don't didn't I wasn't sure about the substitution whether he'd got a knock or whether it was tactical or what that I was. I, I, I for some reason had in my head that he was on a yellow. I don't know if that was, was, was that was true or not. Was that why? Oh, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. It wasn't the, he just had cramp. I thought. Oh right, was that what it was? Yeah. Or Nuno knew that the game was done and he was like, "I'll take him off so he can get a stand innovation because he's played so well." That's the that's the decision I'm going to choose uh, was made. But he was he was brilliant to be honest. Dyer and Sanchez, which is a centre-back partnership that gives any Spurs fan headaches. They were very, very good, both of them. And my, I wasn't there. My, my dad and brother were there. And, and Sam phoned me um, at half-time and actually said, like, Dyer has been really, really good. And we're both fans of Dyer. Like, we, we like what he brings, right? But what we always say is the problem with Eric Dyer is he's brilliant for 85 minutes and then he'll give a goal away. And then all of that good work that he's done as a defence, like, oh, you've done all that and you've cost us a goal. 
that performance from yesterday was disciplined. It was mature. And I don't recall him making any mistakes. And I mean, even like sort of like a sloppy pass out from the back, which, you know, he's, he's quite prone to do. He was he was so sensible. And like I don't I really hope that he sort of turned a corner with, you know, new manager coming in, not being part of the England setup and all of that. I really hope that, that sort of made him turn the corner. But just the fact that him and Sanchez, who are two of the most error prone centre halves in the league, just they just didn't make a mistake against top opposition. Yeah, but you know, Dyer, he's got his pros and cons. Love it, love what he's done for Tottenham and his mentality and I'm sure he mentals all of that stuff. But City attack out wide, right? And he had to mark a pretty poor defender. It's actually most of the really solid defensive work that wasn't just sticking your body in the way was actually done in the wider channels, I think. Mm-hmm. And so this might have been the perfect game for him where he could just be a bit of a wall and just stop because Sanchez made like the slightly more dynamic tackles. I think that was his job. I think Dyer was the rock. And he, that is his game. And I think he was perfectly suited to that. If he if there was Kane in there, you'd worry, right? Just because of the movement and things. But but the the opposite to that is he just did his job and he did his job perfectly. There was a plan, him and Sanchez, and that that's all you could ask for. That's all. And because of the way we're playing now, he doesn't have to be doing trying to do two things to try and make something happen, which was what happened last time. We're trying to break balls through from the back to go through to the front, oh, skipping over the midfield. We've got midfielders who can do that. We've got Delhi Deep, Skip who can pick a pass and, and Hoiberg. The, the, the one thing that really impressed me is when we went 1-0 up against those type, any team last time, last year oh, in the Mourinho era, we defended it, but we were still attacking. We were still going for it, even at 1-0 up, and that was that's, really, really... I think really, that's the really supporters. I, re- I really think the supporters yeah. play a big part of that. That because does play not- a part. There's yeah. no, like, I mean, Chris, you can probably t- tell us better because you were there, but, like, there's no way any Spurs in that, Spurs fan in that ground at 1-0 was, like, let's just sit and defend. No, like, it's always, yes, we know we're going to come under a bit of pressure, but, like, it's having that intent when we've got the ball. And I, I do think the fans drive drive the team on. Absolutely. And it, and we haven't had a full state, we haven't had a full season in the stadium, as we know. And we also know that with 60,000 fans, it's not as much, it's not as sort of hardcore and in inverted commas as it was with 36. But honestly, yesterday, everybody was on it. And, it, you know, yes, of course, it's the first game back after 18 months. But that sound was like nothing I've ever experienced at a Tottenham in a, in a, in a, in a Tottenham match. It was incredible. It was I feel incredible. Like City, uh... City are quite unlucky. They keep playing at Spurs when we have absolutely incredible atmospheres. Like, remember the Champions League first leg when we beat them one 0 That was amazing yeah. yesterday. It's like they just yeah. they seem to be timing it completely wrong, absolutely. don't they? Quickly on Dyer, I think what's I think you've hit something there, um, ASD, in terms of the fact that he did his job. And I think what's interesting now is they've got you know I don't I don't know enough about Romero to know what his style is, but. I think he's going to be different to Jan and Toby because they were both getting older and a bit slower. So I think if you've got the option of having three centre-halves that play in slightly different ways and you can deploy them in the way that you decide to deploy them, and I think that's what's going to be potentially interesting because if he decides to go four at the back, we were having a conversation yesterday about who gets dropped between Sanchez and Dyer. And I guess the oh, answer... Rodon comes in, obviously. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I keep forgetting about Rodon. Prince of Wales. Do you know what I mean? And so it'd be interesting to see if he just deploys them on the basis of who he thinks is going to work in terms of what the plan is that he's got. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I just think as well on the other thing from the defensive point of view, the other change, I know there was a slight tweak in formation, but you had more, you had two defensive-minded midfielders in Skip and Hoiberg, whereas a lot of the time last season it was Hoiberg and, and Dembele or Hoiberg and Lacelso, which you only really got one. I think Skip and Hoiberg just have that innate yeah. ability to be able to sniff out danger, screen a pass, just get themselves in the right area. And, you know, I did want to talk a little bit about Skip as well because he looked he looked like a rabbit in headlights the first 10 minutes, which as a 19, 20-year-old playing in front of that crowd for your team against City, of course, but he really settled into the game. Yeah, and in did. the second the second half, I thought he, he he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. And obviously, he's got Hoiberg alongside him and he's got Dyer behind him. So it's like there's experienced players that can help guide him through the game. But I thought he did really, really well. He wasn't an outstanding performer, but for a young lad playing in a tough position, centre of the puck, games are won and lost in midfield. Um, I, I was really, really impressed with with what he did. And he had this, he's got that fight about him, which I love. Like that challenge, which I think, 75th, 80th minute on Sterling on the halfway where he just went straight through him, took the ball, just a brilliant old school tackle. It was like he can play, like he can get about the pitch. Like I just thought, you know, for a young lad that's really inexperienced at this level, he, he did fantastic as well. It's yeah, he, I I think I I think it wasn't outstanding performance because he he's playing against five midfielders who are all individually world class. Like their first hundred million pound British players playing against. Kept in quiet along with Jack Fitt. Um, you know, Mares De Bruyne came on and Fernandinho's buzzing around fouling everyone. I still don't understand how Fernandinho doesn't get sent off every game. Like, he's mastered the art of a tactical foul. I, I love the fact he's from Welling Garden City as well. So he's a proper, like, Spurs catchment area boy. Welling Garden City is a very boring place. Um, <laughs> I used to live there. There's nothing there. Tesco headquarters are there. Uh, and and the Skip it. family. And the Skip family. And the Skip family, yeah. It's also where part of um, that, you know, the third film of the Edgar Wright series, you know, the Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and then World Without End, you know, that third one? It was filmed in Wellin and Letra. Not that interesting, but the point is, it's very boring. And I don't know how, I'm going to say a world-class footballer comes (laughs) out of there, but it was great to see. And tell you what it shows is he could do it at that level and he can do it at a championship level, which makes me feel very good about the Premier League you know, moving forward in the ESL, because I don't feel you'd see a drop in the performance at any level. I think he's a, he's, he's equally applicable anywhere. He'd just be there bodying people, snapping at heels. I It was one of those ones where I wish I could be his parents here, because imagine how proud you would be of your son just, just dominating. Like, it would just be absolutely brilliant to see. Absolutely brilliant. Like, just, just the pride. And I think we can take that on as Spurs fans. Like, that is a proper for little footballer we've grown. Yeah. And he can ping a ball as well. Mm. It's not just clog it. He's not just winning it in midfield. He can he can see a pass. And what I thought was interesting about Hoybier, who I absolutely love, by the way, yeah. um, is that obviously in the Euros, he did play a bit further forward and I think was like up there in the assists. Yeah. So it's also interesting to know that he can be used a bit differently as well, having seen him play in another position for another team. Yeah, so, is that just... Is that because of the Ericsson thing, and maybe they had to find more of their creativity? And he is one of the best players in that team. I'm just, I'm just thinking that lads, because well, it I, was just, I just think if you want to be a bit more on the front foot in terms of pressing, you could, you have your back four, you have Skip sat in front, you have Hoiberg who can get about the pitch, and Delhi, who Delhi yesterday was 
absolutely sensational. And I know that he wasn't involved in too much of the typical stuff that you associate Delhi with, which is, do you know what I mean? Bits of creativity, playing lovely pass in the final third, that type of stuff. I saw a stat which was that he ran two kilometres more than anybody else yesterday. Yeah. And Nuno saying that, you know, one of Delhi's best attributes is that he can run and really run. So it's like, are we going to see him develop? Because yesterday it was, just an, it was an old school centre midfielder, box to box. I'll make a tackle in my own half and then I'll get into the opposition's box and try and get a goal. But he also had the highest average speed as well of anybody, which is interesting when Lucas is on the field and Son and yeah. Bergwijn, who were there just to play on the break. But I thought um, he really, for, for, those, for that midfield three, because when you've got Bergwijn, Son and Lucas Moura, there's, there's energy and their willingness to press up front, which you can't mm. question. But then if you, we think back to last season when we were, you know, most of the time those three players were there behind Kane. Um, you then had centre midfielders in Hoiberg, who was, you know, very, very deep. And whether it was Lo Celso or Winks or Ndombele, there's not really that, you don't get the same impression that they want to go and do that pressing game or even can do it as much. And I just think, you know, you have Skip sat in front of back four, <coughs> Delhi and Hoiberg being able to go and press. Or you can rotate Hoiberg and Skip round, you know what I mean? Skip, Skip's young, he can get about the pitch. So I just like that we seem to have added that dynamic to our defensive play in terms of we're going to press you and we're not just going to sit off and let you dominate the ball it's like we're actually we're hungry to win the ball back and I really enjoyed seeing Delhi in the heart of the game because it's like there's been a lot of times the last near probably a couple of years now which seems mad to say it where he's just sort of drifted in games and he's not really been in them and then it gets to an hour and he gets taken off and you think hmm He's not played poorly, he's not just not done a lot. But yesterday he was in the thick of it and really sort of setting the trigger for our midfield to go and press. It was just, I'd, I'd, I'd loved seeing him back to have putting in a really, really good performance like that. And he seemed to enjoy it as well. And I think that was the other thing. A lot of them yesterday seemed to enjoy being a bit dogged and physical and getting about people. And it's like, that really just gave me a lot of optimism too. But he has got he has got something to prove as well because he's arguably one of the best players of his generation, and he's been left to fester for the last eighteen months. So actually, you'd want to do that, right? And you've got the new manager saying, "Yes, I've got faith in you. You're in my starting eleven. Because you know that's got to be your best eleven of, of that you have available yesterday. Because you play Manchester City in the opening game of the season when you've for the first time you've had fans back. So you know, there's a there's a commitment there from the manager and that you want to repay it. And I think there was a lot of that about yesterday as well. Um, thought, genuine question. Thoughts on Bergvine? I thought he, I thought he had a brilliant game. I can see it shaking head. I thought I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And I I think with Bergvine, if if and it's a big if. If he can sort out his quality in the final third, like in the really decisive moments, he he could be a brilliant player. His movement off the ball, incredible. His defensive work's excellent. He carries the ball. He's got so many attributes that a lot of players can just never have. It's just sorting out that when he gets that opportunity, like he had the chance to tuck, tuck it away for 2-0. You think back to that chance at Anfield last season at 1-1, like those big moments... If he can become more clinical, honestly, I see a lot of similarities between him and Son. And that Son in the last 12, 18 months has just, something's clicked and he's gone, I'm going to become clinical in front of goal. My numbers are going to go through the roof. And then if you added those type of numbers to Bergwijn, 
you've got another absolute superstar there. So I think he's going to be a player that is going to continue to frustrate a lot of fans this season. But we've got to remember he's young and there is 100% something there. And for me, like, as frustrating as it is seeing an attacking player waste opportunities, I'd much rather be seeing that than an attacking player not getting any opportunities because that tells me he's making the right runs he's getting into the right areas he understands where he understands the game um I thought he played really really well um and I just hope that he can he can kick on and just add those numbers to his game there's, point, there's points where I like him my worry is is he going to be a bit like the new Lamella where, he, where we're just kind of hoping for him to get there and we're going to see be he's either going to be there in six years' time and never quite done it for us. Because for me, he reminds me a bit of Dyer in that he's not quite brilliant at anything. He hasn't got the pace of Sun. He hasn't got the accuracy of another striker. He hasn't got the nimble feet of Mora. But there is something in there, and you can absolutely see that. And I fully, I fully agree with you. And I, I want it more than anything because you can see he wants it as well. He should have scored, but, you know, you can you can forgive one missed shot, but he, he needs to start performing. He hasn't got a choice now. He needs to start performing. But, but I'm sure, yeah, I, th- I feel like he's a bit like a penal. He could go to Everton and be a main man there. I mean, it's a bit rich to say for a team who finished seventh last year, but I just need, I want to see a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more precision, a little bit more accuracy, a little bit more deftness of touch. Just Just a little bit more. What do you think? I, I like the look of I like him as a man. He seems like a nice fella, mm. right? Um but I think I think the I agree with both of you weirdly. So I think what Jack was saying about his off the ball stuff yesterday was brilliant. Like you could I was watching him at some point. Some of those runs he was making really created some space. But ASD to your point, it's like there's a deftness that you expect from him that doesn't quite come off. And that opportunity at 2-0, it's like he should have put it away. And, you know, you're a forward player. And and I watched it again when I got home. And there was there was time to do something better with that. I just think he, he strikes me as a player that he needs a bit of time and he needs a good coach. Uh, I, I genuinely think if you've got a good coach, That's you could true. get a That's lot true. out of him. I think if, you know, we don't know how good of a coach Nuno is, right? But... I get the impression that if he if he had time working with, you know, Pep or Klopp or do you know what I mean one of, like I, I think that they would get a lot out of out of Bergwijn because I think that there is definite ability there. Um, I just think he needs he needs the opportunity, the platform. He needs to have a he needs a season where he plays 25, 30 league games at least, and it's like then it's yeah. like if he's only scoring three, four goals, not getting many assists, then it's like okay, then maybe we can make more of a judgment on him. But I just feel like there is. There 100% is a really, really good player in there. It's just whether or not we can get it out of him or not. Well, look, let's talk about Nuno for a second then, because I think he is a great coach. Because I think we talked about it last last time, didn't we? If you look at what he did with Wolves, with, with, the, with the personnel that was available to him at Wolves, and what he managed to do, it's incredible. Now, we've got better players. Whichever, finish seventh, whatever, we've got better players. And I think you can't underestimate his coaching. And he, I think he will bring the best out of them. And then I think the other thing is that um, his uh, jacket game has clearly been up since he's gone to Spurs. I thought his little bomber jacket yesterday was lovely, actually. Yeah. I love hearing an interview with a Spurs manager, which isn't about the Spurs manager. And it's about the players. 
and it's giving praise to the players. It's just not about him yeah. and his brand and yeah. his arrogance. And I, he just seems sensible. And you can tell he doesn't particularly love the interview side of things. Like it's very rare we hear he's we just hear the big thing he said, or he's having a go at another manager, or he's trying to scratch another manager's eyes out. Great, great, because we we are always front and centre of the media it feels at the moment and I just I'd like not to be I'd like just to win games 1-0 I'd like to be first on match of the day because we scored loads of goals or because we've won I wouldn't mind even being in the middle of match of the day because we just won 1-0 2-0 and it's just routine and it feels like we're going to get that with him I feel like we we know more about what's going to happen in the next game based on what's happened on this game um, and he seemed calm as well though didn't he like for a guy that's just made his managerial debut for us and beaten the champions 1-0 like yeah, yeah. you could have understood if he'd have got really carried away and said something like this group can achieve brilliant things this is brilliant. but he clearly understands like it's a process it's one game I'm not going to get too carried away the fact that we've won if we'd have been beat he probably wouldn't have got too carried away either it's just sort of like I think he just understands that you know we need to be patient this year and give people time especially the young players and it's like I this this might be a slightly left field maybe negative comment but like I don't want yesterday's performance and result to sort of paper over the cracks too much about the players that we still need to bring in because it's like if we look at that squad there are still a lot of problems for me and there are players that we need to get rid of and players we need to bring in for sure um so I really really hope that when the window closes we've got about two weeks left haven't we the transfer window weeks, yeah. um they were Fabrizio Romano was tweeting wasn't he saying that Spurs are, are after another centre-back which brilliant because we all know we need that We'll need the striker as well um, when inevitably, or even if Kane stays, we, we need another striker anyway. Um, so I just hope that it doesn't it doesn't play by the cracks too much. I don't think it will because Nuno seems like a very level-headed guy. Um, Paratici yeah. has been the signing in the summer. Paratici has just well, has changed Tottenham's fortunes because he's just he's just done it for us. It's a bit like on FIFA when you choose your scouts to go and set the network, and he's just got five stars on both. He, he just he's just you Got say it. that ASD. You say that. Oh, we've only we've only signed Romero and and the, keep, and the keeper and Brian. Like none of none of whom have played yet. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm doing it wrong. I'm excited about the signings, but like I'm um, I'm also not buying that we've been amazing. Okay, in the let market. me flip that because you're wrong. Because we've just <laughs> signed the best defender in Serie A, right? Into a team that has no Champions League and has no anything he's got the ESL which is a bit of embarrassment mm. so we've got the best defender in the world to come to Tottenham <laughs> apart from maybe Virgil we've got Spain's biggest prospect for a brilliant deal and offloaded Lamella brilliant and we've got a goalkeeper who seems to be t- proper Tottenham so goalkeeper's great love a goalkeeper didn't need to get rid of Gazaniga but those two are brilliant and he's still in the business and that that's what I'm it's no in G we're not getting in G. You know, it, it's because there's none of them left. It's because we've signed all of those strange players. There's no more. There's no more left for us to buy. What did you? I hear. I didn't see him because obviously I wasn't. Watch, I didn't watch it on the telly. But what did you make of him being on the bench rather than in the stand? Love it. Love it. And he, uh, there was. There's a video of him giving it to Pep as well. I don't yeah, know yeah. if you've seen that where he's telling Pep yeah. to sit down. He seems completely mad, doesn't he? And I love it. I think he's yeah. a. I think he's certainly char- he's a character. Yeah. I feel that's sort of what Levy wanted for Mourinho, like this sort of just massive character who does the business. Um, where it is about him, but it's also about the team, and I think that is the key difference. As Paratici is all about the team, and it, it may be his project. Yeah. And I hope him and Nuno work out because that that has to be a strange relationship. Like 
one place, one person coaching the players, one person sourcing them. But if it works, it could work fantastically. So I'm all about that. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk about Hoiberg. I, he would, he will quickly become one of my favourite players. I always love defensive midfielders. I don't know why I forget. I used to play that sort of position. I just, he just seems so manly, not in a, he just seems so just driven. And I, I saw this interview with him where they were talking about how, how he eats and how disciplined he is. And he was just like, I'm going to just keep on going until I'm 34, 36, and then I'm just going to let it go. But until then, I've only got one chance, so I'm just going to keep it going. And I was like, I'm 34 now. Like, what do I, do I give up now? But also, he just I love that. I love that he will be one of those players that retires you don't see for a year and then he pops up on Sky or B2 doing a punditry session. You think, oh God, he's let himself go. Like, wouldn't he? He'll 100% yeah. be one of them. I just, the best person. Oh, I, just love, I just love everything. I, you know, um, I, I said I wasn't going to go on about it, but I will a bit. I just love everything about him. I love the way he plays. I love the way that he plays with such, he plays with a load of heart. He's got. He's committed to everything that he does. He's a leader on the pitch. You can see him talking to people, but he's not bawling them out. But he's, you know, like he's firm. He's firmly sort of saying where well, who needs to be where, but he'll also put an arm around the the youngsters or whatever when he needs to. And and like that, he's the kind of he's the guy that you want to go into battle with. You want him on your side because you know that he's going to come in behind you and defend you regardless of what's going on and when you're when you've got a teammate in that situation that's what you want but he can also play and that's just wonderful to me i think it's wonderful he will be one who is missed the second he leaves the team the second he leaves like the starting 11 the second he leaves the club he'll just yeah. there'll be a massive hole he does way more than just run around and do a really yeah. good job I, I love him. He's if he he'd be one if he stole Emma, I'd be like okay, okay. I I get it. I understand. He might be the only man in the world who I I go, you know, that's my fault really. Mine's with Sugar mean, Ray Leonard. Sorry, if you see Sugar Ray Leonard now, you know the old boxer. He's just he yeah. looks fit as a fiddle now, and that that's I don't think he'll let himself go, Jake. I think he'll just be super sharp. I think he'll I think he'll be great. And he's one of it was him and Dyer that we had that conversation with last December. And, you know, like he said something and I'm literally like on camera going, yes, Pierre, like a twat. Like I felt like a right twat at the afterwards. But like it was so great. And, you know, he's like 25, 26 year old footballer. And he's talking about how proud he was to when he was because he was captain of Southampton and he wore a rainbow armband and why it was important and how proud he was to wear it. And, and like saying like like I'd briefed him, like I couldn't have briefed him better if I'd given him a script beforehand. And it wasn't scripted. He wasn't looking at a bit of paper. He wasn't looking at an auto cue. And it's like all of that, that all coupled with the description of the player I've just sent you. Like I couldn't be more effusive if I tried. He has been yeah. such a great buy as well. The value as well in in what yeah. we've got for the money is is absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, I wanted to talk just briefly as well about like the Tottenham Academy, and it's like obviously Tanganga, Skip, Kane, Winks. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Kane. Townsend at Everton, Walker Peters at Southampton. So I mean, like the Spurs Academy has done a really really great job, I think, at producing players to play at the highest level, and I think that. It's not always seen as a success if a academy player doesn't go on and play for England. But like for us to be producing players that are playing in the Premier League is, I think, is such a great achievement. Um, I saw that we sold um, 
Sirkin, didn't we, to Sunderland, the young left back, which like caused a few people on Twitter that seemed to follow the youth team. Everyone seemed quite surprised at that. But that's another achievement for the academy. And that's somebody that we've, we've clubs got money for. And I just think that it's, it's overlooked quite a lot. But I feel like they've done a fantastic job with the youngsters that we've got, um, especially the ones that are sort of playing the first team. How long has Hotspur Way been open? When did that open? So I think that's the other thing. I think that facility has got a lot to do with it mm. because you're actually sort of saying to people, you know, you're literally going to be in the in a world class facility. Yeah. And you've got Scarlet as well. Sorry, he was the other one that I know we've seen. Haven't seen too much of him and Parrot. Yeah. Parrot on loan, isn't he, in the Championship? I think. So it's like we're producing these players and like well, the, dr- the dream. Twenty twelve. Is- it looks like. Say that again, Chris. Twenty twelve. So, so it's nearly years. ten years. So. Mm. You've got a turnover of that. Sorry, yeah. Jack. You, no, you no, no. Just... I, I just think it's like, it's just a really, really brilliant achievement that there's that many players that we're producing. For, and, and, you know, if we get a bit of money for them, like that's cost us, they've cost us zero. Um, so for us to be doing it, and it does feel like, you know, they're not all going to go on and be first teamers at Spurs and play for their country. But it's like, we are actually producing quite a lot of footballers at the moment. And it just seems like quite an exciting time for a young player, especially, you know, imagine being like 16, 17, and like you watch that game at the weekend, it's like you've seen Tanganga, you've seen Skip, you've probably trained with them the last couple of years, and it's like they're all in the first team. And it's like actually, if you if you do well, there's a path into Premier League football for you. I just think it must be quite inspiring for the young players. It's a great strategy as well. It's a great strategy, not just from a from a fiscal perspective, but also like you're more likely to sign the young talents at 15, 16 that might be in other places, certainly in London, because they'll go, actually, they, like, exactly as you said, there's a pathway here. Yeah. Um, Andrew Townsend is 30. Yeah, nuts, isn't it? That's gone crazy. He just, seem, he just seems to have gone from 24 to 30. I don't know how that's happened. And I it's it was more still. for Everton, that, to be fair, because... He's a, you know, he's a good professional, good to have in the dressing room. And, you know, he uh, he provided the assist. And that's, a, you know, it's definitely a step up from Palace. You know, I thought that was a great, great for him. And, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm really pleased. I was always fond of him. Yeah, I, I always liked him as a player too. Um, we've got two games coming up this week. So we have the, the famous Europa Conference League on Thursday night. And then we have... Wolves away, which couldn't have been scripted any any better for Nuno, could it? His first away game to go to Wolves. Um, I mean, Thursday night is going to be an interesting watch. I saw that Harry Kane was named in the squad, wasn't he? Um, which made me chuckle a little bit because there's absolutely no way, surely, that he'll be playing in that. Um, Thursday should be a game that we win quite comfortably, right? But we've seen in the Europa League that these games, if you take them for granted too much, they can potentially cause a bit of an upset. So we do have to play well, but I hope that we get to see um, more of the youngsters. Probably a couple of the players that didn't play at the weekend will come into the side, but Thursday should hopefully be quite an uneventful, uneventful game for us. And then Wolves at the weekend, you know, Wolves are a funny team. They, I feel like they have been for a couple of seasons where it's like when they when they turn it on they're a really awkward difficult team to play against but then we've had games against them where actually we've I felt okay watching us so it's going to be interesting to see Nuno going back obviously um but what are your thoughts on 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 both the matches that we got this week if we don't beat Pacos de Ferreira we're we're in big trouble like the, this is a very very small team 
Um, I expect to win this quite comfortably. Well, we may lose now, but I expect to. They just lost three 0 to Bovista. Um, I'm very, I'm very confident. Um, it, even if we play, a, I, even if we play a second team, and it'd be hilarious if we play Kane for a minute because then he can't play in Europe for the rest of the season. For, for, he can. For, oh, can he? he? Can. Yeah, so there was some chat about this on our WhatsApp group today, and because it's a qualifier, he could uh, play and still play in any other European competition. Okay, I'd make him play. Just I would make him play as well, to be fair. Just for like... Okay, cool. Just Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know, interesting. I mean, no, 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 it's a different question, but I think it looks like his teammates are as unhappy with him as yeah. the fans are. If you just read in between the lines on some of those interviews and social posts, they're not happy with him, are they? And did you also see that Charlie Kane was trending on Twitter? No. <laughs> And it's not nice things. I felt a bit bad. I felt a bit bad actually for him in the end because some of it was quite cruel, some of it was funny, and some of it was quite cruel. Because I mean, stuff that's like taking the, you know, sort of taking the piss out of his um, office decor, I think is like fair game, frankly. Don't know if you've you've seen it with like the motorbike and that. Skid marks. Yeah. (laughs) What? Yeah, exactly. What? So what? Skid marks on the wall. On the floor. What? Yeah, like a track, you... almost like a track of skid marks on oh, this run, no. like that's to kind of show that the motorbike has sort of arrived and skidded up to the wall. Oh. Bad, it's really bad. <laughs> I also I... noticed that on his wall behind him, he's got loads of pictures of Harry, which I understand, but he's got a um a, a a newspaper article in a frame, and it's the only one he's got. And it says, "Can you believe it?" Which I understand, but it's the sun. And I'm let, just got to say one thing, which is, I absolutely, I'm absolutely certain that Harry Kane has made headlines in many other newspapers with good headlines. So it didn't need to be that. But anyway, um, I agree with ASD. We've just got to like actually, I'd be happy with like a very just a sort of a very kind of bog standard performance with a second string team that just got us that just gets us through this yeah. competition. Because yeah. um, I don't want to be embarrassed. Because that's the other thing. I just don't want us to be embarrassed. I don't. I don't really want to do. I don't care about this competition. I don't think we should risk any of our players um, for any of it, frankly, because I wouldn't want anyone to get injured. But I don't also don't want to be embarrassed. Um, and as for Wolves, I think it'd be interesting to see how we set out. Because mm. I think just to, just to ASD's point from earlier, it's like you could see how we would beat City with the way that we've set. I want to see how we set out. Um, but you want to be beating Wolves this time of this this time of the season for sure. I think we'll beat Wolves. I think we'll I think we'll be I think we're just better than them. Um, it was great to see the City game to say we do not need Harry Kane now. So there's all that confidence. We're not a team if he's not playing. We're not a team who's missing Harry Kane. We're a team who can just crack on and play without him. Yeah. Uh, and I think that'll give the boys every confidence. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it all. Um, it just feels a little bit um, it feels a little bit broken to me though the the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? Just him going the way it's happened and the mess, Messi Messi now. being at PSG. Do, do you know what I mean? It just like it just it does feel a, a little bit broken. But like look, I got no hard feelings. The whole thing's made me really sad with Kane and. You know, if for some reason they don't manage, because I mean, we I know we talked about this before, but I'm frustrated. It's like Manchester City haven't even made a bid. Mm. So I don't know, like, what is 
what's I mean, maybe they have and we just don't know about it. But like he just needs to get on with his job and see what happens because you know, it's not our fault if they haven't made a bid. And if they're spending that much money on Grealish, they've got to spend properly on Kane. And I was on I was talking to I was on Five Live on Saturday on Sunday morning with some Man City fan saying 120 million. And I'm like, must be joking. 120 million? 120 million plus plus Grealish. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Or at least 120 million plus Sterling. It's like, I'm I'm not, you know, so, and I just think it's sad because, you know, like we have loved Harry Kane and he has been brilliant for us. Um, And I know there's loads of post-rationalisation, like he doesn't win things, but he's played the next amount of finals for us and he hasn't won it. And I understand all of that because we're sad that he wants to leave us because we wouldn't leave him type thing. I get all of that. Um, but, you know, if it doesn't come off and he ends up playing for us, I'm not going to vilify him for it. I'm just going to say you've been badly advised, mate. Yeah. I, I don't really care anymore. Like, I, I just, I'm so there bored of him. Like, and is... people keep on saying, oh, he's only got one year left. He'll, he'll play for one more year, I suppose. He's got a contract for another, what, four or five years. That, that's how long he'll play for. And this is just classic. It's just a business now. It's classic supply and demand. They want him. We've got him. They need him. We've got loads of money. We're going to charge what he's what I, we think I, he's I worth. Think, That's I it. Think, I think in the whole ordeal, and we give him a lot of stick. I give him a lot of stick. Levy has handled the situation with the Kane contract brilliantly because yeah. if if he hadn't have signed that six year deal a couple of years ago, and he was he had a year or you know eighteen months left on his contract now, we'd be panicking now and we'd be thinking we're going to have to sell him at a, a much much lower rate. Um, and then struggle to get anybody in because everyone's going to know we're going to have that cash. I think Levy's played a blinder on this one um, for that exact reason. I think if City come and bid 150, 160 million, it will get accepted and he'll go. And I think if they don't bid that, then Levy won't budge on it because he'll say exactly that. I don't need to sell him. I've got three years. He's the best striker in the world. I've got no, I've got no reason to, to to sell him. Sorry, Harry, you signed your deal. You're going to have to, you're going to have to honour it. So I think we do have to give credit to Levy as much as. We um, give him stick when we do give him stick because he has really protected Spurs with getting Kane on that long-term deal. We we I, I've I've not one to criticise Levy though because Mourinho may have been a bad but it was a risk it was a it was a calculated risk and everything he's done is for the longevity of the club and the slow growth yeah. of the club is undeniable. I I don't what people criticise is not Levy it's their feeling that they want to take massive risks which may or may not work out. You have a look at where Inter are now, they may be going under because they, they haven't been sensible. Look at Barcelona. Barcelona have got a, in, in La Liga, I think it's your wages can be up to a maximum of 70% of your revenue. With Messi, they were over 100% of their revenue was wages. Now they're down to 95%. They still need to get rid of 25% uh, of the wage. Well, not 25% of the wages. They need to reduce their wages significantly. And you have a look at PSG. And Bappe is walking out the door on a free. Maybe the most valuable player in the world next have year. Read, have you read the rumours about the Mbappe-Ronaldo swap? Which yes. would be, can you imagine that? Can you imagine Ronaldo and Messi as a front I'd two? love to see them in the same team. Oh, imagine. that would be. And Ramos. And Donnarumma. That that team is crazy. But That is a, um, that is a if you play FIFA and you get... You get three, four seasons in and it something weird happens with the algorithm and just everyone goes to one club. That's exactly what's happened. I I, I would love to, I can't wait to see if it works, how how that works. But 
I love the fact that we also put a bid in for Messi as well. We just said, do you want to come to Spurs? No, no. Oh, I don't. <laughs> it was there was all the stuff going around, wasn't it, that Spurs and Messi reached an agreement that Messi won't be joining Spurs. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it seems like it's the Paratici playbook, right? It's like he has feelers out to six or seven players at all times, and uh, and lands one of them. So you know, why wouldn't Messi be one of them? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um, just a quick one as well because it is week one over of the Fantasy Football League. And uh, it is Nicholas Wenzel who is top with 106 points. What is I that mean, about? What a start that is. Um, you're both Just in the get league. Get out a bit more, I think. Huh? My strategy, cool I always get it wrong. I think the thing with Fantasy Football is you have to really pay attention to each week, each game week, whereas I'm like, hmm, what's a nice sort of steady team that's going to get me a good amount of points throughout the year, which is what I do. And and that's been borne out because I'm basically mid-table in every league I'm in, like solidly that's mid-table. That's good. Um, I haven't got time. I mean, I'd love to be able to sit and pay attention to it. And I, you know, I've been playing it for a long time. I, I don't understand some of the new things I know. Very spursy, will this, isn't it? For the um, for the uh, for the tape for the for people who are just listening, uh, ASD was doing like a thing with his hand, like blah blah blah, which is <laughs> totally fair. Um, but at some point, someone's going to need to explain all the different things to me because I only understand like your triple captain or whatever. I don't understand all the other things. I just love that the three of us do the pod every week, and I'm on I'm 16th on 78 points. ASD's 21st on 73 points. Chris, you're 23rd on 71. So the three of us are just making up the mid table. Which well, is I was, like, a, I was only joking. Right. It's nice to see Steve Robinson from the Hotspurs podcast in there as well. Um, yeah. And Jack Clark have, is above me. I, I, ha- I have to because she only um, agreed to play it again this year if I gave her a shout on the pod. The fact that my my mum won the podcast Fantasy Football League last year like and didn't just win it, absolutely wiped the floor. So uh, there you go. She's got a shout oh, out, and I'm Mrs. sure L. Uh, Mrs. L at the at the top. She's 31st at the moment, so not as not as strong of a start, but we'll see. But if you're not in the fantasy football league and you've got a team, um, do send us a message on uh, Twitter. We're at underscore Echoes of Glory, um, and I'll send you the the pin, and you can join the league because um, the more the merrier. Um, any other more. business from either of you before we uh, before we close? I'll do a. Um... I'll do the. I'll start the quiz again next week. I forgot to do it this week. Yeah, oh, well, that's great. I don't want to be uh, shown up by Jack too much, so we don't have to do it every week. Just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, look. Let's see what the next week brings. Um, hopefully, more of the same. Another great, uh, great victory for Spurs. Um, but remember, whatever does happen, future's bright. Future's Lily White. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realized until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain, and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur.
curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.